So it's interesting, obviously, as this coaching carousel, and we're just going to say football, continues. And, of course, we get to touch on it once again in the fast lane to start things off this Friday. It's been like a rinse, wash, rinse, wash, repeat of that for much of this week. But, you know, the news coming down today that Bill Belichick's successor, Gerard Mayo, apparently was written into the contract. If I had known that, heck, when I was in Arizona, it would have been nice to know that uh, if somebody could have tipped me off. But alas, it didn't happen. So Gerard Mayo is the uh, is the successor to Bill Belichick in New England. And it was written into his contract as a fan of the NFL's DEI efforts in finding qualified black candidates and minority candidates. I love the hire in that sense, but also, you know, Mayo has been a vocal leader defensively. We've seen those guys work out as good coaches. Uh, Tomlin in Pittsburgh, you know, I'm in the tank for him. Uh, certainly also what we've seen work out with D'Amico Ryans, the former great linebacker for San Fran and Philly, uh, being a Coach of the Year candidate with Houston. More on that momentarily when we kick off our votes of confidence in a couple of minutes. Uh, but you know, I enjoyed seeing that. And then Kalen DeBoer from Washington to Alabama in a move that screams, this is a tough job for anybody to succeed Nick Saban, but if you're going to give me $10 million per year and make a gargantuan buyout, I guess I'll take this money. And, and a if guy I... who wins. Yes. Also, uh, and, you know, Nick Saban had to understand what he was doing in Washington because who was his number one choice for OC last year before he hired Tommy Reese? Who might become the Washington, ironically, the Alabama offensive coordinator if he doesn't get that coaching job is Ryan Grubb. Yeah, who's the offensive coordinator, coordinator Washington. at Washington. And I think they'll go for a proven head coach. It's easier to sell that to a concept up there. Uh, yeah, you know, the one at Jet, uh, Fish. Jet Fish at Arizona uh, has done a I remarkable job. The best stat is uh, after he's at, he's 10 games, like 10 games in after that at his stops, Kalen DeBoer is 80 and 3. That's insane. But here's the interesting part, though. There's and he beat every other major candidate for this job except Mike Norvell. Think yeah. about that. Well, he beat Mike Norvell. I think Dan Lanning... He didn't Lanning, play Mike Norvell. He, played, he beat Lanning he twice. He beat Lanning twice. He, he beat, beat Sark. Sark. Yep. Did not play Mike Norvell. Um, so that that is one key thing to remember. I don't know if he ever played Tommy Reese in something, So, but I never believed Tommy Reese was an actual candidate for the job. No, not for this one. They were going with a proven head coach at Alabama all along. But there's, there's a lot of fallout for this, and there's a lot of fallout for a lot of what else has happened uh, recently within this coaching carousel and what it has meant across the board. So that is one of the things that we'll get to right now in our votes of confidence. Uh, there are other thoughts. We even have some insaneradiodeals.com fast takes and your feedback that we will get to next week in the fast lane because we've had good feedback. We always appreciate it. Love the interaction. Please hit us up there and like anything we do on social media. It's always helpful for that too. Uh, but most notably, we, we love the chiming in. And, and so we do try to get to that as, as you know here in the fast lane. But there are other pressing topics to get to before our, whatever it's worth, votes of confidence. Chats with WSET's Dave Walls and Gil Alexander of the Beating the Book podcast, but also a D.C. guy who has thoughts on the commander's coaching situation, which got more clear and is worth touching on to start the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. So the Washington Commanders have not yet found their new head coach, but they have found their new general manager, hiring 49ers assistant GM Adam Peters, according to both ESPN and the, oh, I don't know, NFL Network. Uh, Peters 
He won Super Bowls in New England. He won another one in Denver. He's been in San Francisco since 2017. They are obviously one of the most deep rosters in the entire National Football League. I just I, I like the hire a lot for the Washington Commanders to get a guy like Adam Peters. It is a guy that it does make me wonder who they'll bring in as the coach because right now if Adam Peters is taking this move, you would think he would want, want to have Lots of power. according to our girl Melissa McCarthy of Saturday Night Live. But if you have a chance to get a guy like a Jim Harbaugh, they're not going after Belichick according to all reports. But maybe it's Jim Harbaugh, maybe it's a Mike Vrabel type. I think you absolutely consider that because of their ability to build a culture. However, my drawback to that is if you bring in a guy like Peters, who's been in those type of organizations, and he's going to have, in the order words of Melissa McCarthy, then do you get another coach that may be leery of that? That is where I think the Washington Commanders search could end up going, which could be to a guy like Ben Johnson, the coordinator for the Detroit Lions, or Mike McDonald, the the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. McDonald defense Ravens. uh, Johnson offense for the Detroit Lions. Number four. Obviously with the news, of course, that Alabama's hired Kalen DeBoer from Washington as their next head coach. That means that Mike Norvell leveraged that to get a new eight-year deal at Florida State worth at least $10 million per year. Jimmy Sexton worked his magic with all his clients. I mean, look, DeBoer recently hired Jimmy Sexton. Norvell and Steve Sarkeesian were also in the mix. They are also repped. By Jimmy Sexton, uh, the Sexton tree continues, and for Norvell and Florida State, you know, I, I think you were bound if you're Alabama to have people turning down this job just because you have to follow the man as opposed to let somebody follow the man, make some mistakes, and then you get to pop back up and be the guy that succeeds that individual. Number three. I'm not surprised by this at all. I, I am disheartened by this news for Trey's other boss. Tom Bowles of FrontStretch.com, who has done work with the Superstar Racing Experience. But they have suspended their 2024 season um, in in terming it, quote, uh, unfavorable market conditions, end quote, as the factor for why that happened. To me, that is translation for, and no, we're not going to do the whole what he said and what he meant soundbite, but that's translation for the oversaturation. I admire the ambition of SRX, similar to the ambitions that we have seen previously of spring sports leagues, notably the USFL and the XFL, which have merged in this latest edition of the spring sports league. There was the Alliance of American football, but if anything, it just further shows the power of the bigger organizations that those larger properties have. And whether it's F1 or certainly NASCAR, which was the more comparable circuit to the superstar racing experience, it's really hard to gain market share. Even if you're not competing with them, It's just difficult to gain that type of market share from someone like that. Number two. Charlie Baker mentioning that he expects the NCAA Division I Council to begin the process of activating the proposal he announced that would permit schools to pay name, image, and likeness directly to athletes. Mentioning it could be adopted as soon as August of 2024 and that they are inching closer to, quote, in-house in quote NIL requirements that would require schools who participate in this route to likely pay their athletes at least $30,000 per year for about half of their athletes. That's nowhere close to what market conditions are going forward. What it really speaks to is the fact that the NCAA is probably more likely to trend toward a separate division of schools that are willing to pay, if not all athletes, certainly the revenue producing ones of football and basketball. Again, I've never 
bemoan that idea and concept, but it certainly speaks to a tier structure in college sports of the haves and have-nots who want to go this route and why a school like Florida State and others in the ACC like Tech, UVA, NC State, North Carolina, and Miami and Clemson are all angling to get out of the Atlantic Coast Conference. And number one on the Fast Five at five-ish. A little bit more of a lighthearted note here in the Fast Lane, and that being one that will probably be discussed more in the Foul Ball Area podcast. But the Atlanta Braves recently acquired Chris Sale in a trade with the Boston Red Sox. Already uh, talked about. Two-year deal, $38 million contract. This fits the mold of the Atlanta Braves, and that is buying guys that would be deemed, quote, depressed assets. Sale with his best is a Cy Young caliber pitcher, but he's battled various injuries, but the Braves sign him to a two-year extension that reduces the overall total value of the deal and spreads it out longer. This is the type of move for which the Braves have been extremely shrewd in putting together. And there is your Fast Five at five We pivot away from that now to projections that mean whatever you want them to mean in our votes of confidence. Nothing provides the intended inspiration quite like a vote of confidence. The confidence I think that the team has. You know, winning makes you feel good, makes you confident. Now, here's our votes of confidence, inspiring you with the certainty you're seeking. Three games of note on the ACC slate in basketball, or two games of note on the ACC slate, a third local game of note as well in men's college basketball. No projection for Liberty at Louisiana Tech because that's Sunday and the lines have not come out for that one. However, tomorrow, there are a couple of games of note. 1.30 airtime, VTR in Roanoke App. Radford is at Winthrop. The line has not come out for that, uh, but if you're in a spot where it's easy to get down on that or you have ways to do so, uh, you know I, this is a tough spot for Radford. They got the win at Longwood last night. It was a really cool atmosphere for that 9 o'clock tip-off, which got moved to that to accommodate the national TV audience. Uh, big win for Radford. They get back on the right track in conference play but now they have a tight turnaround on the road and we discussed it earlier this week uh, in our chat and covering the Commonwealth with Rick Watson of the Radford Highlanders but that's a tough spot uh, I would definitely lean to Winthrop wherever that goes meanwhile Virginia at Wake Forest Deeks favored by five and an over under of 129 and a half uh, Trey again prove it till I want to see it out of Virginia before I believe it I lean Wake Forest at five right now because they too were in a bounce back spot and the over of 129.5 because Virginia has really struggled defensively on the road. Uh, no, it wouldn't shock me at all if this is the spot where Virginia snaps out of it and you say, okay, this is where Tony Bennett and that staff work their magic. But just the way the team has played and the, the confidence or lack thereof, I do kind of need to see it before I believe it. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'll agree with you, UVA, or I'll, I'll take Wake as well. Um I'm really hesitant on it because it is five, and UVA style will keep it under five. I bet for most of the game, um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's hard to bet against Tony Bennett even with the struggles. So I will agree with you, but I am very hesitant on it. A schedule that features as part of our quirky college basketball slate. By the way, full schedule CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg Facebook page will drop tomorrow. But Virginia Tech they host Miami. 
The book's telling you something. Hokies are a two and a half point favorite despite Miami's struggles. I get downgrading the Miami Hurricanes after the loss to Louisville and Virginia Tech. They played well, particularly at home. 153 is the point total. I go with the over and I'm going with Virginia Tech if only because of this principle, Trey. When you have this spot where Tech has had one big win and Miami's had one bad loss as bad as it is to Louisville, the book seems like they're saying something. I will listen to the book and take Virginia Tech. Yeah, and you don't know if Hunter Gator's going to play head injury because he got kicked in the head, and that's why he was out of the game. I get um, your hope is that you know Sean Padula plays as well as he did. I mean, he's not. I'm not expecting him to get 30 plus, but you know, I just from a kind of you know shot making point of view, I think you need that type of performance. So uh, I'll take the Hokies in this one. I think um, if they can, I think they built a lot of momentum with that win. And their ability, you know, it was a very sloppy game, but they grinded it out and got the win. I think if they, I expect them to have a, a cleaner game this time at home and they'll hit shots and I still I think they'll win. Dave Walls of WSET will be at that game and uh, we'll discuss that and more with him uh, in a moment in the fast lane around 520. But NFL Slade kicking off our NFL coverage tomorrow. Browns two-point favorites at the Texans 44 and a half. Uh, Texans, uh, just because they're the home team and... I think the fact that there was a close game without C.J. Stroud and Amari Cooper had to go for like 205,000 yards. Uh, but I'll, I'll go over. Uh, actually, I'll go under on this one. I don't have a conviction on the side or the, the, the total in this one. I will lean Browns for the sake of this argument. Uh, I trust Flacco to not make mistakes on the road. It's tough being a rookie quarterback in your first playoff game. And because of that, I'm going with the over. Interior conditions could lean this game to tilting over. Frigid conditions for the Dolphins Chiefs. 43 is the point total. Uh, I'll lean under because the Chiefs have been an under team uh, for much of the year. And I like Kansas City. I got them at four. They're now at four and a half. This Dolphins roster, they are a shell of what they've been most of the year. Just because of the weather, and I think Miami will run the ball and stay committed to it, which they should have done last week, and or they'd be playing probably playing a playoff game in Miami. Uh, so I'll take Miami in the under. This line for the Steelers-Bills matchup, 12.30 airtime Sunday on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, started as a total of 41. I actually got it at 36 and thought that was bad. It's now down to 33 because of the polar vortex and the wins expected. I'd still lean under just because Pittsburgh's not a great passing team anyway, and the Bills, they can run with Josh Allen. Because of that, I also like Pittsburgh to cover at 9.5. I got it at 10, which is better, but I still lean Pittsburgh in the under. Uh, I'm taking Buffalo. Uh, I think they're going to... I. I, I know they've not played their best best, but they're I just think the fact they got in the way they did, they're gonna I, I I'm picking them to get to the Super Bowl, so give me Buffalo in the under. Second game Sunday, Packers, seven point dogs at the Dallas Cowboys. Fifty and a half is the point total. Uh I would lean Dallas, especially at seven. Uh, I know it's waffle between seven, seven and a half. I think Dallas actually comes out and makes a statement that they are behind Mike McCarthy, and it kind of slows down that talk that he might be out with the loss. I'm sure Trey disagrees. I like the over in this one more. I think they're going to be points of plenty both ways. I'm always betting against Mike McCarthy in the playoffs. Um, I just don't think he's built for it. Um, yeah, so give me Green Bay. I like how the Packers are playing, and uh, your guy, Michael Lombardi, brought this up last year that the Packers' best performance last year was against Dallas and how they exploited their defense. I think the way they've played down the stretch, I think they'll make enough plays on defense. Jordan Love will play good enough. Uh, I think uh, Stephon Gilmore not being 100% will hurt Dallas. Um, and so give me Green Bay to at least cover. I would not be shocked if they win, but I think Dallas wins. I love the story of the Detroit Lions, but I trust the Rams 
with a veteran quarterback in Stafford and a Super Bowl winning head coach who's done a fantastic job in Sean McVay. I would love for the Lions to win, but I will lean toward the Rams in this spot. I actually go under the 52 total. I think this game can be a little bit more of a slugfest. Both teams content to minimize possessions. Uh, I want to pick the Rams, but this is kind of me. I want to fade the public here. So give me Detroit and give me the over. Meanwhile, we all we know we owe you our receipts from the last couple of weeks. We'll get to that next week. Monday in the fast lane, we'll pick Eagles and Buccaneers. When we return here in the fast lane, WSET's Dave Walls will potentially bemoan the state of the Eagles, but more talk heritage glass on the hardwood. All of that's still to come. This is the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.